Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Coming up on today's show, we'll get the latest on the situation in Saskatchewan from Tom Vernon, a reporter with Global Edmonton who's in Saskatchewan covering the search and the manhunt. We'll also get the latest on the situation in Jasper, wildfire there causing a power outage. We're into the last week of the CPC leadership race. The one on top of mind for most Canadians today, I think, is this horrific story. Um, out of northern Saskatchewan, we have a number of people that have been killed, 11 people dead, 19 people injured on the James Smith Cree Nation um, this weekend, and in Weldon, Saskatchewan as well. And at this point, one of the suspects remains at large. That is Miles Sanderson. His brother, Damien, who was considered to be a suspect earlier, is one of the people who died at uh, James Smith Cree Nation. The question Canadians are going to be asking, and Uh, We'll have to get into as we go uh, deeper into this story in the coming days is should this have happened at all? Um, Could this have been prevented? If you take a look at how we got to the point where um, Miles Sanderson was out of prison, Um, he has a lengthy 59, 59 criminal convictions um, since he turned 18. He's only 31. Uh, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of criminal convictions. He was released on parole uh, just February 1st of this year, just seven months ago. At that time, the parole board saying they didn't think he presented an adverse, an undue risk to Canadians and uh, releasing him would contribute to the protection of society by facilitating his reintegration. So uh, lots of questions there. I'll go through his record uh, in just a minute here and give you some details as to um, why people are really wondering what he was doing free this summer to begin with. But before we do that, let's get the latest on the situation. We are going to chat now with Global News' Tom Vernon. Tom is in Weldon, Saskatchewan, and he joins us now. Tom, thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate you joining us. Hi, Shay. Thanks for having me on. So, yeah, just bring us up to speed. Obviously, the one suspect still remains at large. I think that's the primary focus in all of this, right? Yeah, that's right. And so they still, they're still unsure where they are. The last known sighting of him, the Regina police say, was at 11.45 Sunday morning in Regina. Now, so there were questions about whether or not that was still the case after the news yesterday that uh, his brother Damien was found dead in the uh, uh, James Smith Cree Nation. But uh, Police Chief uh, Evan Bray of the Regina Police Service says that that was a credible tip. They, they no longer believe that Damien was with Miles at the time. And they are still operating uh, under the assumption that Miles remains in Regina because they've not received any information to suggest otherwise. So the, the Regina Police Service is conducting a manhunt, an investigation there. RCMP are obviously conducting a wider manhunt when it comes to uh, Saskatchewan. The forces are working together, and they're boots on the ground, aerial surveillance. Uh, they, are, they are going all over looking for this suspect, uh, but they've not really released any details about where they think he might be at this point. Yeah, and they were saying yesterday that, you know, I mean, the fact is the, that he hasn't been located and they think he possibly is injured. They, you know, and he was with somebody, so they assume he's getting help, which makes it a little bit tougher to locate. At least it sounds like that's what they were saying yesterday. 
Yeah, and, and it's interesting when they, they added yesterday that they believe he's hurt. So they, they, they announced that. They announced that Damien was found dead yep. uh, with injuries that yep. were not self-sustained um, and that Miles was hurt. Now, they did not give any context as to um, how they believe Damien died, uh, they say, uh, in the circumstances of it or why they believe Miles is injured. Uh, and then, yeah, the police chief Bray said they're not sure who that second person yeah. was that, uh, that he may have been spotted within that vehicle. Which complicates things for sure. So, of course, the primary focus in job one is getting this guy off the streets. Uh, job two, and perhaps more important long term, is dealing with the aftermath uh, where you are. I mean, it, it's hard to wrap your head around, Tom. Ten people in that community dead, 19 injured in a seemingly senseless rampage. Just just tell us what you're seeing and hearing from the people in the communities affected. Yeah, right before I called you here, I was speaking with a woman here in Weldon. This is the, the site of one of the... Uh, the crime scenes with the site of one of the people who had died due to the stabbing. And she says the community is absolutely devastated. She says she's not been able to sleep since finding out the news on Sunday. She says she's scared that, you know, what if they come back? What if they're, yeah. you know, they, they don't know where he is? So there's fear uh, speaking with this woman. She says there's a lot of concern in the community, a lot of heartbreak, obviously a number of uh, families absolutely devastated with lost family members as well. So there's going to be, Look, this is tough. I mean, these are small communities, and to lose someone in this manner, these communities are grieving, and they're scared. What's going on there in terms of a response? Um, you know, it's, it's I wouldn't say remote, but northern Saskatchewan, they're not going to have a lot of the services that you would have in a larger centre. Are those kinds of people arriving on the scene, mental health support, uh, that sort of thing? Yeah, and I, I haven't seen it. So I'm in Weldon, and I've not seen much of that here. There are still there's a police vehicle holding the scene um, at the home here. Um, the, the Saskatchewan Health Authority, so their version of AHS, has put out a number of crisis lines and are, and are okay. providing supports in that manner. Um, I know the First Nations and the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations is working to get those sorts of supports in place, but I've not physically seen uh, anything um, in, in terms of people. And granted, I haven't been here. I, I only arrived last night, so right. I haven't been yeah. here yesterday through that. So, Okay, uh, Tom, I really appreciate the update. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. You bet. That's our Tom Vernon, who is reporting from Weldon, Saskatchewan, one of the two communities where the stabbings took place this weekend. The other one, of course, the James Smith Cree Nation. Uh, and uh, appreciate Tom checking in. So again, uh, the question is, could this have been avoided? Should Damien, not Damien, Miles Sanderson, should he have been out on the streets at all? This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
All right, let's get an update on what's happening uh, in the Jasper area. As you know, they're dealing with um, a wildfire there, the Chedamon wildfire, and it's been burning for a while. Saturday morning, things seem to be okay. And then all of a sudden it took off. I'm not sure, uh, obviously it had something to do with the weather, um, but it really took off on Saturday and became a much more serious situation. And at this point, no communities are being threatened or anything like that, which is the good news. The bad news, though, um, is it's knocked out power to the region, and that's causing all kinds of problems. In fact, just this morning, it was announced that Jasper National Park has closed uh, Whistler's and Wapiti campgrounds due to the power issues. They had kept them open, but they announced this morning that right now, no, we need to shut it down. We need to focus everything on the essential services within the community. So people who are in those campgrounds today are being told, you got to be out. You got a half an hour, 11 a.m. Well, actually tomorrow, 11 a.m. tomorrow. We will need you to vacate this campground. So uh, it doesn't look like they're too optimistic. ATCO saying they hope, they hope that they're going to have the power back on by later today. That's being optimistic, not sure, um, but they have managed to get some work done and they're hopeful they'll have power back to the town site by later today. So let's find out what's going on. We're going to chat now with Ashley uh, Cleaver, who is the owner-operator of the Raven Bistro in Jasper. Uh, Ashley, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time. Good morning. Uh, just tell us, how's it going? I mean, what's, what's life like for you in Jasper with uh, everything that's been happening over the past two or three days? I mean, it's been a very strange long weekend. We came back into Jasper from camping in BC on Saturday morning, and the town site was very smoky. Yeah. Um, but then the weather has shifted, and Parks Canada has done a fantastic job over the last few years of creating fire breaks around the town. So there's no smoke in the town. We still have beautiful mountain views, but we do not have power. So the majority of the businesses are closed at the moment. Okay. So we're just... The school is closed, so we've got kids that are excited to have an extra day of summer vacation. Ah, uh, were they and supposed to go back today? They were supposed to go back today, yeah. <laughs> so all sorts of irons in the fire, and it's just interesting after the last few years of being really confident in our business, yeah. and then COVID came through, and you know, so many things out of your control. This was going to be the normal year, and this is how we're starting it out. Yeah. Okay, so let's go through a couple of things here. First of all, you're safe, right? That's what we keep hearing from officials. There's no threat to anybody or any communities, right? A hundred percent. The town is safe. There's no smoke in the air. The air is clear. The gas. There's one gas station open. The community really bonds together in these times because we yeah. are a little bit remote. So everyone's helping out with each other's kids, helping out with barbecues and propane and things like that. So everyone feels safe. It's nice that cell phones are still working. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of great to see the kids all on the playground and running around in the streets. Yeah, I mean, it's almost kind of like a snow day in a way. Um, in terms of power, what are you hearing? Like we're hearing from Aqua, they're hopeful later today. Are you getting anything different than that? Or are you just hearing sort of fingers crossed, maybe later today if we're lucky? I mean, they've done the best they can with communicating, which, of course, is never really good enough in these times, but they're doing the best they can, sharing information they have. We've heard 7 p.m. today. Um, It just kind of threw everyone off because we heard the power outage was imminent on Saturday night, and then it went out, but it was restored a few hours later. So everyone kind of felt like, oh, that was it, and wow, this is amazing. They fixed it so quickly. Um, But then it went out at four o'clock in the morning and now we've been without power. So they're communicating what they can. The hospital has power again. I hear there's Um, like essential power. Like if you, like you were talking about cell phones, which as we know are so essential to the way we live our lives these days, you can actually, like I heard the Jasper Activity Center, if you need to go charge your phone, they have power there and you're welcome to come down and do it. Have you heard, I mean, those kinds of things are happening? 
Yeah, so it's fantastic. So you can go into the activity center. There's some people working there. They've got someone from Parks Canada set up at a table that's giving up-to-date information to people that are looking for it. And it's just kind of a nice gathering spot because usually people in Jasper share their experiences and information at the grocery store and the mm-hmm. post office, but all those things are closed at the moment. So if you need to connect with someone, you can go to the activity center and say hello, charge your phone, get an update. Are you, I mean, uh, you, you run a bistro and a restaurant, so I, I don't know if you'd have any, f- um, you know, uh, firsthand information on this, but what about hotels? I mean, I can imagine over the Labor, Labor Day long weekend in Jasper, there wasn't a room to be had. What, do, have you seen those people sort of trying to find a place to go, or are they just dealing with the dark? Do you have any idea what's it been like for tourists? I feel like people are trickling out yeah. of town. They, As you said, they've closed the campgrounds. Um, because they're focusing on getting electricity back to the town site and not any of the outlying properties. I know that the Fairmont has a generator, so they have some services available out there. Some of the hotels have generators, but anyone that is a domestic traveler that's able to move on to their next location, I believe, is doing that because, I mean, there's no grocery store, the restaurants aren't open, and... We're all just kind of hanging tight to see what happens next. What happens next, yeah, and hopefully that's later today, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate the update. That's great. Yeah, no worries. Thanks so much. You bet. That okay, is, bye now. You too. That is Ashley Clearer, who is the owner and operator of the Raven Bistro in Jasper. I think I've been to the Raven, if I'm thinking of the right place. Really good. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, we'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll keep an eye on the situation. But can you imagine? I mean, if you've traveled, I was looking, uh, obviously you didn't go, but I was looking uh, at some hotels over the course of uh, the long weekend. And depending on where you were staying in Jasper, you were looking at several hundred dollars a night to stay at Jasper um, over the long weekend. Not cheap. And, and they certainly weren't lacking. Like, a lot of places just didn't have room over the long weekend. So uh, I'm not sure. I mean, this is all this all broke loose basically on Saturday when things got really out of hand. And then by Saturday night, it was a big problem. They were trying to deal with it throughout the course of the weekend. But our Morgan Black has actually been in the Jasper area for three days now, keeping an eye on things. She's right up to speed on what the latest is in terms of campgrounds being closed and all the rest. We're going to take a quick break. We'll chat with Morgan when we come back right after this. Morgan joining us from Jasper. Morgan, thank you for your time. I appreciate you squeezing us in. Hey, all good. So give us an update here. Some of the campgrounds starting to be closed. It sounds like they're, they were hopeful they could hang on for a while, but it didn't work out for them, hey? Yeah, so three campsites have been closed. Um, they are asking people to leave by tomorrow at 11 a.m. just because the services are not there for electricity and such. And I actually... The reason I was late to call you is because I was just entering the mayor and Parks Canada with a bit of an update. So um, schools have been delayed. It was supposed to be the first day of school today, uh, but because the power outage is still impacting the town um, quite badly, that they are delaying it. Um, And Parks Canada says the fire has um, diminished some because of the rain and also because of the good work of fire crews. Um, But the most pressing concern right now for the town of Jasper is that continued outage that's impacting residents yeah what are they saying in terms of are they still optimistic later today is that still the target for getting power back 
Yes, that is still at Coast Target. They said that um, the town site itself will have that energy back with the backup generator, um, but the campgrounds and the surrounding areas should not expect to have power by Tuesday night. But um, hopefully tonight we start to see some lights go back on in town. That would be excellent. And and like you said, the fire, uh, I mean, the fire itself, obviously, it, what happened? It, it was just Saturday where all of a sudden it just exploded and took off in size? Because, I mean, it's been burning for a while and things seemed pretty cool heading into the weekend. And then all of a sudden uh, this happened. Yeah, so we got here Sunday night, and, and the main problem that um, we had seen Sunday was that it was just so hot and dry yeah, that yeah. the fire really was just spreading um, quite quickly. It has been a lot cooler since Monday, and so they said that that's really, really helping in the in the in the fight against the blaze. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just so hot, so dry that things were just lighting up really, really quickly. But still, no um, no risk to any communities or structures or anything like that, right? That's the good news here. Nope, nope. The fire is burning about 15 kilometers from the town of Jasper, but no communities anywhere at risk at this time. That's what Park Canada uh, just told me minutes ago, okay. um, and that and that has been the case um, the whole time. There's there's actually not even any smoke in Jasper. It's blowing completely the other direction. It's smokier in Hinton than it is here. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, last one. I'll let you go. Tourists. Have you had a chance to? chat with any of them? I mean, if you're from somewhere far away or whatever the case may be and your whole plan's been upended, what are they say, saying about what's going on? Oh gosh, I have talked to a lot of tourists because I've actually been break, breaking the news to them that there's a power outage because a lot of them arrived and they thought that the whole town was closed because it was a stat holiday yesterday. And so they were they were saying, gosh, like you can't get a sandwich, you can't get coffee, you can't get anything here. And I said, no, 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 that's because the, the whole town hasn't had power since 4.30 a.m. Monday morning. Like that's the problem. So I talked to folks from Germany, from Florida, um, you know, obviously the town itself is an outdoorsy town so most people are are prepared but if you're a tourist this is definitely not what you were expecting um for your holiday so uh, obviously they're kind of taking things in stride they're still in an extremely beautiful place but um it definitely is not currently offering the services that uh, a tourist (laughs) might expect currently yeah not the dream vacation you had anticipated morgan thank you so much i appreciate the update no problem. Bye. That's Morgan Black, uh, a reporter with Global Edmonton, currently covering the situation uh, in Jasper. And, and, and the good news is, I mean, obviously it's not not ideal uh, for anybody. This is uh, not great. But at the same time, at the same time, um, it, no lives are at risk, no structures are at risk. So th- that's some good news. That, that That's some really good news. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they get the power back on later on today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. CPC going to elect a new leader on uh, the 10th, so just a few days away now. Uh, Candace Bergen announcing this morning that uh, after her term as interim leader, this will be it. She'll stay on as MP, but she will not be running for re-election. So um, she's uh, announcing that this morning. Also today, uh, a new poll, and, and I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody, showing that Pierre Polyev, Uh, appears to be the runaway leader um, in the CPC leadership race. 57% of self-identified conservative voters now say they have a favorable impression of Polyev. That's up eight points since mid-July. 
This is surprising. The one in four Tory voters, however, say they don't know enough about him to form an opinion. Um, widely perceived to be the front runner. Um, one in three Canadians have an unfavorable impression of Polyev, so he's doing good there. And um, he's, like I say, he's, he appears to be the runaway leader. We can get into more about the poll in a minute. First, though, let's have a conversation about what we expect to see happen over the coming days with Chris Chapin. Chris is a veteran of conservative leadership races and a managing principal of the Upstream Strategy Group. Chris, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, Chris. So this latest poll just tells us what I think uh, the polls have been telling us for well, a few months now, in fact, actually, that Pierre Polyev appears to have this well in hand, hey? I, I certainly think so. I, I mean, it, it looked like from the day he launched his campaign with a tweet that had, I think, a million-plus likes on it and, you know, millions and millions of views on the video that he was the, the runaway favorite. Uh, we saw it throughout the membership sales period, the, the number that his campaign posted, of you know, north of 300,000 memberships sold, shattering the party's record for membership sales in a leadership race. And poll after poll and fundraising uh, records after fundraising records. I, I think we're only a couple days away before uh, it looks like Pierre's going to probably win this on the first ballot. I mean, there, maybe there's a surprise out there. Maybe Maybe Jean Charest does have the point. His campaign's been claiming for months that they have the path to win, but I I certainly don't see it. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting when you you take a look at it because uh, Polyev obviously did what every leader or every candidate in any race hopes to do, and that's tap into a a swell of enthusiasm uh, that he has absolutely uh, rocketed to the top on. Uh, Charest never, ever seemed to capture that. Big name, well-known. A lot of people thought, oh, this is exactly what we need. But he just didn't ever seem to excite enough people to get a movement going the way Polyev did. Yeah, no, it never came close. Uh, you saw it in this, just the size of the crowd attending their respective events. I, I think that the thing, though, with Charest that maybe it was a little unfair to him throughout this race was he had been out of politics for you know so long, and it's hard to even though he was a you know a well-known, established name, one heck of a political career under his belt, uh, being away from the political scene, not talking about the issues that maybe resonated with members today that they they didn't you know it, it was just a different kind of mindset that he would have had from from his time in office 10, 15 years ago. That uh, I, I really do think that. Uh, Pierre just Pierre had been talking about the issues that had mattered to conservative voters uh, as finance critic for the party for the last several years. He, he built up his social media following. It's really hard to win a leadership race and tap into that when you had to create a Twitter account to run for the leadership race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and Polyev had done such a, a really good job of grabbing headlines and, and sound bites while he was sort of the, the chief attack dog in the House of Commons. That served him well to kick off the race. Um, going forward, what happens now? Like you said, Sheree's camp still continues continues to say that they have a shot at this. I don't know if anyone believes it, but once Polyev takes over, assuming that he is going to take over, what's his job? Because we know um, that some of the things he said, some of the things that he said and done might hurt him when it comes to a general election. Can he make that pivot or does he stay the course? I think for the most part, Pierre Polyev is going to keep talking about the issues that he's been talking about for years now and that he's able to tap into in this leadership race to sell memberships. Um, you, you know, where there's certainly things that came up over the course of uh, what has once again felt like a rather lengthy leadership race for the Conservative Party uh, that he's going to try to walk away from. Yeah, I think there's going to be certainly some issues that he talks less about. But the, the main things that, you know, has really resonated with, I, I believe, with the membership that has led to the record-breaking sales 
it's been his talk about uh, economic opportunity, jobs, you know, actually addressing the issues that Canadians are, are concerned about, uh, whether it's, you know, he coined the term just inflation uh, yeah. back before the leadership race. I, I think you're going to see him talk about economic issues that he's, he's talked about for years. And he's going to be talking about the Bank of Canada. He's going to be talking about getting interest rates back down. Uh, I, I think some of the other stuff is just going to be white noise. Uh, and I think Canadians will, will look past a lot of it. So I think that the Liberals are certainly going to try to bring up some of the things he talked about sure. during the leadership race. But uh, I, I think we, we know from polling that uh, economic uncertainty and, and opportunity is, is the number one issue Canadians care about. And uh, Pierre seems to be winning on that issue. So I, I think that's what you're going to see a lot of a lot of from him over the coming months. And, and I guess depending on how long the Liberals want to hold out an election from, maybe, maybe a couple of years. What do we know about what's going to happen with the rest of them? Candace Bergen announcing today this is it for her. She's not going to run for re-election. Sheree was never, ever uh, clear on what his plans were. I think it was pretty obvious that if he wasn't leader, he wasn't going to go through another election. Uh, what about the rest of them? Lewis, this was her second kick at the cat. Aitchison grabbed some headlines. He actually has like 23% favorability, so he's, he's making a bit of ground up there. What do you think happens with the rest of these candidates? Will they be brought into Polyev's camp, or will they just walk away now? I, I hope they're brought into his camp. I think that was one of the, the big, big mistakes the, the last two leadership campaigns, uh, less, maybe less so with Andrew Scheer than, than Aaron O'Toole, but certainly with Aaron O'Toole, where, where they really you know, pushed the, you know, Peter McKay's team away and, and didn't build the party back together. I, I think they, they wanted their camp to, to be in charge and, and let nobody else back into the sandbox to play. And I think that was a big mistake, led to a lot of the... Uh, division within that caucus that eventually led to Aaron O'Toole's ouster as, as leader. So I, I hope they bring uh, guys like Scott Aitchison back into the fold. Uh, I think he's run a very professional leadership campaign. I, I, I don't think he ever really stood much of a chance at all, but I think he's run a professional campaign. Um, but he's certainly taken some shots at Pierre down the down mm-hmm. the stretch. So I, I hope that, you know, at the end of the day, they, they build the party back together. I think that's the the only way to be successful in a general election is if your party's in order. Um, and I think they'll certainly welcome uh, Leslin into the into the team. And uh, I, I actually hope they, they're able to convince uh, Roman Baber to, to seek a, a nomination and throw his hat back into uh, the political ring. I think he's run one heck of a professional campaign as well. And, and I think he'd be a, a solid gain for the party if they can get his, uh, his voice uh, his proud kind of conservative voice that he's he's championed throughout this race uh, to join the party. Chris, great insight as always. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jake. That's Chris Chapin, who is a veteran of several conservative leadership races and managing principal of the Upstream Strategy Group. Okay, just to give you more details uh, on the poll. Uh, as we said, Polyev, runaway leader by uh, the looks of things here. This new Ipsos poll done for Global News finds that among conservative voters, uh, whether they're actual card-carrying members or not, but just people who typically vote conservative, uh, 57% of them have a favorable impression of Pierre Polyev, which is up eight points from just in July. 20% have an unfavorable impression. That's down 9%. Okay, so he's improving on favorability and uh, getting rid of some of the unfavorable views. Jean Charest, 38% favorable, that's down seven points, 38% unfavorable, which is up 
three points. So obviously, Polyev has all the momen- momentum right now. Well, when you take a look at conservative voters, they seem to have really bought into the message of of Pierre Polyev. So he's uh, well ahead in terms of his favorable impressions. He's impressing people through the course of this campaign. And uh, when you talk to conservative voters about who they want, it's clearly Pierre Polyev. The rest of the field, Leslin Lewis, her favorable rating goes up 9 to 32%. Scott Aitchison up 5, he's at 23%. Roman Baber, the uh, big drop, he went uh, down 4, now sitting at 16%. Among Canadians in general, so if you go outside of just conservative voters, Sheree has the strongest support, 31% see him in favorable terms. That's compared to Polyev at 23 and uh, that's down two points for both of them. The question, though, as we've talked about so many times, right, is, um, and the concern that Aitchison raised and some other candidates raised is, some of the stuff that Polyev did during the campaign will certainly come back during the next general election campaign. It'll be raised by the Liberals. How much of a concern is that? But there's some good news. It appears that Polyev, outside of the leadership race itself, generally speaking, in terms of how Canadians view him, is, is doing a little better than he was before. Still an awful lot of them are saying, nearly half are saying, that they really don't know enough about him to have an impression. So even though you know the people who have formed an opinion of him so far are negative, there's still more people that he can introduce himself to. So there you go. That's the latest on that race. And by all accounts, it looks like Pierre Polyev will be named leader of the CPC coming up on Um, Saturday, I guess, uh, the 10th. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.